0: You have your Bible today, I want to encourage you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, if you did not bring a Bible with you, uh, you will find one in the seat pocket in front of you, a, a blue Bible, and inside that Bible you'll find Genesis 12 on page 17, about right there, okay? So if you will turn with me there, we'll be there in just a moment today. Uh, I want to do two things uh, with you. The first thing I want to do is I want to start this new series that we have been planning for many months. Uh, And as Johnny already mentioned, I want to talk a little bit about this week and and how what we had already intended to share with you connects with uh, how we as people of faith respond to a week where we are reminded of of the broken world in in which we live. First, if you are a guest here today and we have not met, my name is David, and I serve as a senior pastor here, and it is good to have all of you here uh, in worship this weekend. Let's start with the why behind this series called Legacy. If you are brand new, uh, you don't know that we just finished a really historic time in the life of our church of celebrating uh, the legacy of our former senior pastor, uh, Reverend Mike Ramsdale. Served here for 21 years in this church, in this community, and we really spent the last few months uh, marking that and celebrating that. Not only his life and what he has done in serving and blessing this church, but also what God has done in the midst of this family of faith over the course of these last two decades. Mike shared his last series with us. We culminated with a incredible celebration of, of, of Mike and, and Rhonda and, and what they have meant to our church. And my guess is even if you were brand new that day, you'd never, you didn't know anything about this church, you'd know who Mike was, you left thinking, wow, that was pretty cool, even though it took a little while. I mean, it was a long service, but it was great. It was so inspiring to see that. And so uh, Pastor Johnny and I, several months ago, knowing what that would mean for us as a family of faith to have that time of celebration, we thought, wouldn't this be a great, Great time for us to pivot and to think about our own legacies, the life that we are living and, and the way in which we are impacting the lives of others. So let's begin with a definition, and I want to share with you also after that an observation. So first, a definition of what we mean by legacy. A legacy is the mark one life leaves on another. So that's kind of a working definition for us. A legacy is the mark that one life leaves on another. And one of the reasons I want you to see that is I want us to think about first that everyone is leaving a legacy. Whether you like it or not, everyone's life leaves a mark on the lives of others. Now, the question is, will the mark that we leave behind be one that at the end of our days we will say, I'm proud of that? I'm happy about that. I, 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 am, uh, I, I am satisfied that that is the impact I made on the lives around, around me, or are we going to, at the end of our days, be filled with a sense of regret that we did not produce the blessings perhaps that we had hoped for? For anyone who uh, has been given the sacred task of raising a child. I, I would imagine that, that you, somewhere within you, have this sense that you want that to matter, right? Like you want the hopes and dreams that your children one day to pursue, you want them just to be a little bit easier, perhaps, because of how you have invested in them and helped them prepare for the task in, in front of you. My guess is that no one who's going to be here this weekend is going to walk away and say, you know what, I can take three weeks off because all I'm interested in doing is taking up space. Like, that's all I want to do with my life. no. We all have this sense that we want to create a positive impact. But here's the observation that, that I want us to, to begin with. That while a legacy is something we all want in the end, uh, we're, we're a little bit unsure where to begin. Like we see people, right? Like you, you see people in your life and you think, wow, what, a, what an incredible legacy they are creating. What a positive impact they are making on the lives of others. And we all want that but we're not quite sure where to begin it. Where, where does that start? How do, we, how do we begin to live in that way? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at one of the most significant characters in the scriptures. And rather than talking about everything that his life meant, I, I just want to look at the beginning, where, where it all begins. So Genesis 12, uh, we're going to read a few verses here. Let's follow along with me. Uh, verse 1 says this, The Lord said to Abram... Now, real quick, Abram is someone who later, his name will be changed to Abraham. That's the name that you may uh, may be more familiar to to you. As happens often in the Scriptures, God gives to people new names to represent new chapters in their life. So we meet this man who will become Abraham, the father of the Israelites, the the Jewish people. And when we meet him, his name is Abram. So the Lord comes to Abram, and here's what the Lord says to him. He says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, in reading verse 2 and 3, you, you may have this sense like, wow, what an opportunity. You know, just Abram's wandering around and God says, I want to make you into a great nation. I want to make your name great. I want to bless you. The people who bless you, they're going to receive blessing. I, I, I want you to start something new and all peoples of the world will be blessed through you. That's a pretty significant opportunity that is presented to Abraham. But let me, just, let me just take a quick poll. How many of you right now have children or youth who are growing up in your homes? How many of y'all have kids at home? Okay. Uh, how many of you have had kids at home? Okay. They've since gone on yet. Okay. So we have some. Okay. First question is for those who have had children at home and they have left. Okay. So first for you, are you glad they're gone? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, no, no, no. Okay, let's go back. Those of you who have kids right now, okay, uh, how how many of you want them one day to, to leave the nest? Now some, I, I see that. Some of you are hesitating. I mean, because they're really cute right now, right? They won't stay that way. I mean, there'll be a day you're like, there was someone over here who went, I'm, sh- yes, go. The The, the goal... For a, for a parent, it, in, in our mind, we want them to leave, right? We want them to go. We want them to pursue their, pursue their dreams. Some of you had the chance to meet uh, Pastor Jim's oldest son, a very accomplished young man. He's going to spend the next year teaching English in Madrid. And, and you know, we hear stories like that, and we're like, wow, what a great young man. What, a, what an incredible opportunity for him. That is so, that's so cool. That's the world we live in today. That is not the world of Genesis 12. So one of the things you have to understand is is when God comes to Abram and he says, I want you to leave. I want you to go from your country. I want you to go from your people. I want to go from your father's household. God is asking Abram to do something that you just didn't do in the ancient world. It was dangerous. It was a scary thing. The security of your life was connected to your family children you you didn't hope that one day they would leave the nest and go get another job you hoped they would stay home and one day take care of you that's that's how life worked and so when God comes to Abram there's this incredible opportunity there's also this incredible risk this incredible danger God says I want to do something brand new in you and in order to do that you're going to have to leave everything behind. Everything. When when it says, leave your father's household, it's not only a reference to the physical dwelling in which Abram had been raised and lived, it's also leaving leaving behind the traditions and the faith, uh, the pagan faith of his family so that... God could do something brand new. God is seeking to create a brand new people. But in order to do that, Abram has to leave everything behind. Well, so great opportunity, incredible risk. Let's look at what happens. Verse four, three words. It says this, so Abram went. Now, some of us may wonder like, wow, that's like, how did he come to that decision? Was it like, Pros, cons, I don't know. Give me a week, Lord. I'll get back to you, you know. I, we, we'd love to hear the explanation, but there isn't any. There is simply this decision. There's this decision that, that Abram makes in his life to go because God had told him to go. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Just, just look here at the, at, at the Bible, okay? Uh, again, if you're using the Blue Bible, you're on page 17, alright? You have 1,923 pages to go in the Blue Bible, okay? There's, there's a lot of story that is yet to be told, and yet because of these three words that we find in Genesis 12-4, because of this decision that Abram makes, he begins a legacy living a life that makes an impact on all the rest of these pages we find the story of abram and abraham's faith here and all throughout the scope of the biblical narrative because of this decision because he decided to go so here's what i want you to wrap your head around today as we begin to think about legacies that our legacies begin and end at the at the point of our personal decisions Legacies begin and end at the point of our personal decisions. You are actually creating and continually recreating the legacy that you are living for others and will leave behind when you're gone with each and every personal decision that you make each and every day. And each and every day you have an opportunity with a multitude of decisions to act in such a way where you increase the blessings that you are leaving behind, or act in such a way that perhaps you are leaving a mark behind that you will one day regret. Legacies begin and end at the point of our personal decisions, the way in which we engage the life that we live each and every day. This last week, we went to Half Price Books, our family did. That's that's a family outing for us, to go to Half Price Books, uh, take some books back. uh, You know, hopefully, if we can get out of there for like three bucks. You know, that's the goal. Uh, and, And we love to do this. All of our family loves to read. My wife loves to read. My daughter loves to read. She just finished all the Harry Potter books and all the Harry Potter movies. So, we're looking for a next, you know, series for her. And my son started to read, which we're really excited about. And so, we're looking for a new series for him. So, we're looking around the children's book section. You know, what's some good books for, uh, for the 12-year-old and the 7-year-old, the, the daughter who's 12, the son who's, who's 7. And I was remembering the books that I used to love to read when I was a kid. How many of you, when you were a kid, uh, read Choose Your Own Adventure books? Anybody know? Okay, the, so at 8.15, no one raised their hand. It was, I was like, oh, okay, this is, gonna, <laughs> this is gonna flop. So if you've never read these books, let me just explain a Choose Your Own Adventure book. So basically the way the book is outlined is you begin by reading a few pages, five or six pages, And at the end of page six, whatever, you know, the the first point in this is, you have a choice. At the bottom of the page, at the end of that section of the narrative, it says, okay, here's your choice, reader. You can either choose option A or you can choose option B. And if you choose option A, you go to this page. And if you choose option B, you go to this page. And so as you read through the story, you got to pick the direction that the story would go. And I thought this was so fun, in part because you could read it again and again, and you could make different choices. You could choose to go in different ways. And often, if you were familiar with this, if if this was part of your life growing up, often you wanted to make a different choice. Because you were in the middle of a grand adventure. And all of a sudden, it came to an abrupt end because of the choice that you made. You could be like three minutes into the book and it's over. There's a snake. Do you go around or do you pick it up? You pick it up, you're dead. The story's over. Well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to make a different choice. Because your life is just like that with one difference you don't get to go back. And change the choices that you make. Every choice, every decision that we make leads us down a different path. We write a different story. And unfortunately, we don't have the opportunity at times to go back and to change those choices. To make different decisions at those critical moments in our life. And if life, oh, wouldn't it be great if life was always just a choice between what is wonderful and what is even better? Like, wouldn't that be great? You want cheesecake or bluebell ice cream? But life's not like that, is it? Life's not always a choice between. What is good and even better? Life is not often a choice between incredible opportunities that are presented our way. Life is often a choice, a choice that we have to make at that place where we find ourselves in a place where we never intended to be we find ourselves having to respond to an unexpected curveball that life threw our way where we find ourselves having to having to choose and having to respond to a tragedy that we thought would never happen in our lives and life sometimes when these things happen we are forced to choose even when we ourselves may think i just want to hide I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to make it go away. But life forces those decisions upon us. There are choices that that we make based on the opportunities that life presents ourselves, and there are many choices that we make based on the challenges and struggles that life presents to us. If this last week has reminded us of anything... It would have to be this, that we live in a world that is not as it should be. We live in a world that is not as it should be. And as people of faith, we can say that we live in a world that is not as God intended it to be. As people who believe that God is a good, good father. Those words just came out of your mouth. Who believe that God created a world that God described as good. As people who believe that the diversity of colors which God has used to add beauty to our world is a reflection of God's creativity and God's love. We must, as people of faith, say this world is not as it should be when with those things we instead see difference and the difference leads to division and the division stirs within us fear. It is not the world as God has intended it to be. It is a world that is the result of God's creating. But the reality of our world is often defined by a world that we have made that is the result of the decisions that we have made. The the effects that are caused because we live in a world where we reap what we ourselves have sown and what others, by the decisions they have made, what else we is the result of those, of those actions? We live in a world that is not as it should be. We together in the worldwide human family in which we have all been born, we're all a part of this one race. We have made a world where there is far too much anger, and there is far too much hate. And there is not enough, not nearly enough of that which prevents their cancer from spreading among us. And our most frequent response to this reality is to do as our ancestors have done since the beginning of time. Look at Genesis 3. Eve denied and Adam blamed. And our most frequent response is to deny our own responsibility and instead look to someone else to take the blame. It's what we do over and over and over again. We live in a world where we are far too quick to speak, we are far too slow to listen, and as a result, we lack empathy. We lack the compassion, we lack the understanding that might bring healing to this battered world. We don't take time to choose the best words. And instead we settle for the first that come to our minds and the magic of technology has now afforded us the opportunity to broadcast those at a whim because we're just so convinced the world is waiting to hear our opinion and we end up adding more anger and more hatred to the already poisonous conversations that surrounds us every day. Over the last few days, I've had, I've had a few people tell me some things that I should tell you. Here's some things you need to say, Pastor. And yet all I can think about are the many moments in my own life where I find myself pulling out my cell phone and I think, I got something I need to say. I got something that people need to hear. I got something important that that I need to broadcast to the world. And I'll write it out. And then I'll look at it. And all I can see is my own self-righteousness. My own desire to be right and say that someone else is wrong. Wrong. Rather than a willingness to look at myself and to remember that I'm a part of the worldwide human family and I cannot hide from the responsibility of the world in which we live. For we are all to blame. We are all to blame. A faithful response, a faithful response requires us to understand the source of our illness that anger and hate grows from somewhere it only grows in us when there's one of two seeds planted in our life the seed of hurt or the seed of fear and when those seeds are planted in our life sometimes we unintentionally nurture those seeds and if we're not careful the scriptures remind us if we're not careful they can grow and when they come to full fruition, the anger and hate that lives within us threatens to control every aspect of our life. Let me show you a few things that the Scriptures say about this. I want to show you first, 1 John four eighteen, 18. And, and I want to show it to you this way. Some of you know what goes in that blank. You know this verse. But I want to show it to you this way because I want to I want to point out to you the tendency that we all have to put something else in that box. To believe that if if something else is there, then somehow the fear and the terror that grips us will will go away. If if someone will provide an explanation, we won't be so afraid. If if, if we just have more security, that we won't we won't quite be. Uh, we we'll live in the same fear that 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 we have in our life today but this is what first john 18 says there's only one thing that fits in that box and first john 4:18 says it's perfect love only love can cast out fear only love can cast out fear this is not something that we have the capacity to do ourselves We don't have the capacity within ourselves. It is the love that only comes from God that has the power to drive out that fear. And all of us, friends, all of us, all of us must be open to this work that God must do in us. If the seed of fear is to be rooted out and the seed of hurt is to be healed and redeemed... And the cancer of anger and hate is to be stemmed in their growth in our lives. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do. Not some of the things you do, not things that you do on Monday or Tuesday, but everything that you do flows from your heart. There is this garden within you that must be tended because weeds can grow. And they choke out the good growth of what is happening within you. Jesus Jesus says it this way. He says, every tree that is a good tree bears good fruit. What, what our mouths speak is what our heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. We must do this work of looking at our hearts and asking ourselves, what is it that is flourishing there? Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. If you're not paying attention, that's where you'll end up. Many enter through it, but small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. Every act of hate, every act of misunderstanding, every word spoken that undermines unity, that sows seeds of division, every fear that life stirs within us. Here's what I want you to hear. All of those also create for us an opportunity to choose the place where anger and hate grows, the place where those things that lead to destruction, the source of that is also the source that leads to our greatest blessings. It's the choices that we make and how we choose to respond to the broken world in which we live. Jesus makes it clear that there are indeed indeed two paths. There is a way that leads to life. There is a way that leads to destruction. Legacies begin and end at the point of our personal decisions, and you and I get the chance to choose. Every single day, we get to choose. Friday night, we were at the Rangers game. Uh, Someone in our church um, generously gave us tickets, uh, but I had to arrive a little bit late. We had a prayer service here uh, in our community. Uh, We gathered... Uh, at the uh, public safety building with city officials, our, our police department, pastors from around our community many of you came out, it was a great uh, a, a great uh, healing gathering a, a wonderful time, so I showed up a little bit late we had two cars up there in Arlington at the, uh, at, at the ballpark, and so when we left, we, we, we decided to divide and conquer uh, the daughter went with my wife, and the son went with me. And as we were leaving, we saw one of our church members uh, who serves in the Arlington Police Force. He was working the game uh, that night, and so we had a good conversation with him as as, as we were leaving. And um, uh, as I'm walking away with my son, I'm crossing the street, there we're, we're walking down uh, uh, to the car, and my son, just out of the blue, says, "Daddy, why did someone kill those police officers?" And I got to tell you, my first instinct was, how did he find out about that? Because I'll be honest, I'm one of those parents who's got a quick trigger on the remote. I I can really quickly change that channel because I don't want them to see that the world is not as it should be. I'm I'm like many of you. I just, I want them to, to live with some blinders on just for a little bit longer before they see the reality of the world in, in which they live. But, but here we are. He's asked the question. Somehow he knows, and dad's got to come up with something to say. There was a moment of silence as I thought, how do I, how do I even begin to explain this to a seven-year-old? And so finally I said, Jack, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, and I don't understand how anyone could do something like that. I said, here's the only thing I know. I know that anger can make us do really dumb and terrible things. And that's why, I said, that's why mom and dad sometimes talk to you about your anger. (laughs) And we talk to you about how you talk to your sister. And we talk to you about how sometimes you talk to mom or dad when you don't get your way and you are angry because anger sometimes makes us do dumb and terrible things. And we kept walking, and I thought to myself, okay, this kid's, he's got ADD. He's going to change the subject. We're going to be fine, but he doesn't. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. Like, let's talk about something else. Look about Star Wars, but no, he doesn't. He just He just walks in silence with his dad, holding my hand. And so I said, son, have you noticed that dad doesn't often get angry? And luckily he said yes. I was pleased to, <laughs> to hear that. He said, yeah, I've, I've, I've noticed that. And I said, do you know why? He said, no, why? And I said, because I love you. And I love your sister and I love your mother. And I don't ever want anger to make me say or do something dumb that would lead you or your sister or your mom to doubt how much I love you. That's why daddy doesn't get angry. How do we as people of faith respond to a broken world? We remember that we are called to be peacemakers. And we remember that peace always begins with us. Peace is our responsibility. It never begins by pointing the finger at somebody else. It always begins with looking inside ourselves and asking the question, have we tended to the garden of our own heart? Are we acting in step with the Spirit who gives life and does not bring about destruction. Are the words that we speak to one another the words that are in step with the Spirit that seeks to bring life and healing and restoration? Or are they just our words and our opinions? We act in step with the spirit that seeks to bring life not the spirit that instead sows seeds of destruction and death we do the hard work of looking inside of ourselves and prayerfully asking the spirit to guide us to be the bearers of god's image in a world that longs to see that there is in fact something good And that God has planted it in the heart of all humanity. On Friday, when we opened our church for prayer, I offered to people the prayer of St. Francis. I have found in my own life that when I don't know what to pray, often the prayers of the saints who have gone before us remind me how I should pray. And so today, I would like to invite you to simply close your eyes and in a moment of prayer, just to listen to these words as we ask God to help us to be people of peace in a broken world. Let us pray. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, Lord, let me sow love. Where there is injury, Lord, help me to in turn sow pardon. Where there is doubt, help me to plant seeds of faith. Where there is despair, Lord, help me to bring hope. Where there is darkness, Lord, by your grace enable us to bring light. Where there is sadness, Lord, help us to be people of joy. Lord, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console others, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to share love and embody love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying to self that we are born to eternal life. Remind us today, God, that all of us, all of us have a choice, a choice to stay on the narrow path that leads to life, a choice to, a choice to instead wander onto the path that, that would lead to destruction. Help us, God, to to tend to the weeds that that would choke out the growth of your grace in our life. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be in line with your Spirit. Help us, Lord, to not give up hope. Protect us, Lord, from the despair that would say, it's never going to change. Help us, Lord, to, to not settle, to take a side, but instead be, be real peacemakers, Lord, who would be willing by your courage and your grace at work in our life to actually stand in the gap, the place where so, f- so few are willing to go, to say the words that so few are willing to say. to be willing to open up our hands that have been shaped into fists so that we may embrace. Help us, Lord, to remember that You are the one who stood up and took all of our blame. You're the only one who's ever done that, Lord. And You endured our violence. You endured our rejection in order to show us a better way. And we want to follow that path. But we cannot do it alone. So lead us, Lord, to choose the better words, to make the better choice, to live in the ways of Jesus. We ask all this in His name. Amen.